When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Maryland sports fans. There's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Longshot's off-track betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. You are tuned in to Americana Music Profiles. Thanks for joining us for the second season. Brought to you exclusively by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine. Man, it's people like you that, that make it possible for us to get out here and enjoy this life. Thank you for getting in touch with me. I'm so glad you love what we do. Thank you for your help with everything, Greg. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing you've got going there. I'm your host and publisher, Greg Tutwiler. Now let's get to this week's show. My guest today is artist Bobby Bridger. Bobby has a new CD out called Vagabond Heart but you may know him as the creator of A Ballad of the West, which, as a story, has found its way into the recent film The Revenant. This epic ballad was recorded over 40 years ago, and its resurgence has brought Bobby and his many talents to the ears of many new listeners. All right, Bobby, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. Well, it's nice to visit with you, Greg. Uh, just looking over some of the uh, the notes we've been trading back and forth, and, and uh, one in particular kind of caught my eye. It says, Bridget is uh, currently writing, painting, sculpting, and touring. It sounds like a pretty interesting life. <laughs> well, and I always say that uh, I take in wash on Wednesday, too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I... I, I I have a degree in art and taught art for a number of years before I focused totally on music and so forth. Sure. Okay. So, well, it's part I, of my background. We're we're actually getting together today to talk about some of your um, uh, some of your musical works and um, but you've been at this a long time uh, since the late '60s. Is that right? Yeah, uh, I was uh, fortunate to be a kid during the time when the guys that were part of the Big Bang in both Memphis and Nashville and the Louisiana Hayride and so forth were in their prime Mm -hmm. uh, in Nashville and uh, so forth. And so I got to work with a lot of those guys. Uh, Fred Carter Jr. took me to Nashville and he was uh, one of the original members of the Hawks with Ronnie Hawkins that became the band and Mm-hmm. But 
Fred played on a lot of Simon and Garfunkel records and a lot of folk legends, uh, Ian and Sylvia, uh, uh, John Baez on and on. Sure, okay. Uh, and he took me to Nashville, and I, I recorded for Monument Records for a, 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 about a year and a half, and then uh, I recorded with Fred's label, Nugget, for uh-huh. several singles, and then I signed, produced a record on my own with Fred's help and sold it to RCA out in Hollywood. Okay, okay. And one of the things that's that's kind of been a... a a theme for you throughout the years is is this uh, title called A Ballad of the West. Is that right? That's right, yeah. When I left RCA, it was uh, largely over over the issue of uh, whether to do commercial records or what, I, what they were referring to as history records. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I was referring to them as, so to speak, kind of ear movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, because nobody knew what they were. They were hour-long historical pieces with uh, generally about nine or ten songs intertwined with verse, mm. all that could be historically documented mm-hmm. uh, about the, the westward movement of the nation. And uh, also from a, a First Nations perspective as well, from indigenous people's perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... So I decided that that was a bigger uh, calling, and so I really left the commercial record business for a number of years and devoted myself to creating, writing and creating that piece and developing it as theatrical works. Okay. What, what is, what's behind that for you? What, what motivated you and motivates you to... Um, well, you're from there in Virginia, and uh, a famous relative of mine was born there in Richmond. His name was Jim Bridger, mm-hmm. and he is a is perhaps known as the premier American mountain man okay. of the 1820s mm-hmm. and 30s out in the, what is now known as Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had a much longer career than that as a guide for uh, wagon trains and so forth, hmm. uh, scout for the Army. Mm-hmm. His career was very long and colorful in mm-hmm. the American West. And he basically was an eyewitness to uh, the discovery as well as the se- a lot of the settlement. And uh, when I, I got into that, was researching, trying to find out about this, if I was related to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when I when I found out that I, I had a real good inkling that I was, that really fired it up. Mm-hmm. And then I found some other things along the way that just kept whetting my appetite. And uh, one being that uh, his relationship with this mountain man named Hugh Glass, that's now the subject of this big movie that's coming out, mm-hmm. uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And uh, a, a I would say a quarter of my hour-long ballad about Jim Bridger is focused on that uh, horrible event when he was present when Glass was mauled by a grizzly bear and mm-hmm. uh, left for dead and crawled back to, to, to forgive Jim Bridger for being one of the people who left him. Mm-hmm. And that was, of course, a story that I stumbled on, digging into his background mm-hmm. and part of the balance. So, but the other two pieces are about the Plains Indian Wars and about the uh, the famous uh, William 
Plymouth Buffalo Bill Cody. Okay. And they cover a span of history from 1820 to 1950 through the eyes of Jim Bridger, the holy man Black Elk of the Lakota people, and uh, through Buffalo Bill. Okay. And, and and that all consists of your work called a ballad of the of the West. Is that right? Yes, those that's those are the three ballads. They're total running for total for about three and a half hours to do them consecutively. Okay, uh, if you were to sit down and perform them. Yeah. And and you have have those been recorded in uh, recorded in CD form, or is this predominantly uh, play acting? Uh, it was no, it was recorded in analog. Uh, all. All three parts, but it's been it's been out as a box set of CDs since about 2000. Okay, and I'm about to go back in and we we cut the Seekers of the Police 40 years ago. Okay, Slim Pickens narrated it in uh, the Los Gonzo Van of Texas theme, and and I performed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're about to go back in and restore those tapes and see if we can properly transfer them over to digital files and, hmm. and remix them and master them. So okay. uh, we, we should have something on that this spring if, if we're lucky with the restoration. Ah, okay. That'll be cool. Great. Well, I hope that works out. That'll be neat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you've also uh, played a big part in in the Kerrville Folk Festival and, and um, uh, the Healing the Wisdom uh, and and uh, the anthem. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, uh, I I was on the uh, I was one of the first people to perform on the Kerrville Folk Festival. As a matter of fact, I was the only person on the first one with a record contract. Really? Okay. And and uh, and uh, it was it was created by Rod Kennedy and Peter Yarrow. Okay. And, and one of the things that they try that they were very adamant to create, which has blossomed in later years in the discovery of people like Lyle Levitt and Robert Earl Keane and Nancy Griffith and just on and on and on, Darden mm-hmm. Smith and mm-hmm. on and on and on, uh, was this thing called the New Folk. Uh, was a contest at first, but it, at first it wasn't a contest. It was a simple, just a presentation of new people on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I was the only one. I was on RCA Records at the time. <laughs> Uh, and no one else at the festival was on a record contract, so it was rather ironic. <laughs> sure. But I was invited to come back, and I, I caught on with the crowd there, and they uh-huh. caught on with me, and uh, I just returned every year, and Rod put me on the board of directors for a while, and then uh-huh. in 1979, I was working on a new song called Healing the Wisdom, and he liked it and spontaneously proclaimed it as the anthem of the Kerrville Folk Festival. Okay, that's neat. And so for the last 36 years, uh, people have been uh, mostly me. <laughs> right, okay. But uh, from time to time, people like Christine Albert and uh, I think Dana Cooper and some other people have, uh, have my son did it last year, okay. uh, closed the festival out singing the anthem. And uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing, and it's a great uh, privilege and honor to have that uh, have my song in that capacity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now no, you you hey, mentioned that uh, that you were working on that for for a record, and I think earlier you told me that your your last studio album um, was 1980. Is that right? Prior to the one. Yes, that you t- I made I made Healing the Wisdom, and I had befriended a lawyer 
uh, I went in between records. I went out and lived in the Chihuahuan Desert in Mexico for a while. Hmm. And while I was out there, I was writing a lot of songs uh, like "Heal in the Wisdom," and uh, I. Uh, I had befriended a man, an entertainment lawyer in New York, who had encouraged me to come to New York if I ever went back into the record business. And I went to Nashville and made Heal in the Wisdom with Fred Carter and uh, as a co-producer and uh, went to New York to sell it. And while I was there, uh, I called an old theatrical friend of mine named Chris Zergel, who was working on... Uh, uh, adapting the famous book Black Elk Speaks to the stage. Mm -hmm. And I had agreed to help him with the production team and then promptly vanished into the desert, and he was quite upset with me. <laughs> and uh, So he made me come to a meeting with him at the old Lone Star Cafe and asked me if I'd ever heard of a man named Dale Wasserman, and I said, uh, yeah, and he's the president of MCA Records. Mm -hmm. He said, no, no, that's a different Wasserman. <laughs> He said, Dale wrote Man of La Mancha, and uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest oh, after okay. that marriage. He said, uh, Wasserman has written a play about the mountain men, and he's vowed he won't uh, produce it on stage until he finds a balladeer who sings about mountain men. <laughs> and so that started my career with Dale Wasserman and... Chris Zergel simultaneously, so for the next five years I was on stage and won or okay. either one of those. And my record, Healing the Wisdom, came out. I self-produced it, but I was so involved with those shows. Mm -hmm. It just kind of has stayed around for all these years because of the festival, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, But that put me in theater for the next uh, 25 years solid. Wow. And I okay. toured all over the world doing one-man shows. I did a full company uh, production in Wyoming of Seekers of the Police that ran for eight seasons and summer productions. And uh, finally, in uh, 2011, I retired the live performances of the one-man shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, about a year later... A woman who worked in, works in films convinced me to do a Kickstarter, and we were successful, and I cut Vagabond Heart. And that's the CD that just came out in September, right? Yeah, it came out very late September, just mm -hmm. in time so that we can be up for Grammys next year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so t tell me about that disc. What what uh, what kind of music is on it? What's how does that relate to your, your career well, in the past? I have, I, I've been blessed with working with two of the greatest guitar players the world has ever known, and I, I know that's quite empty praise given the number of wonderful guitar players. Mm -hmm. But I worked with Fred Carter in Nashville, as I mentioned to him earlier, mm -hmm. for, for years. And uh, if you want to know something of his virtuosity, listen to The Boxer. Okay. I was a boxer. He played, I think, four guitars on that. And uh, when I got to Texas, I befriended a young man named John Inman. And I've worked with John ever since. And we have been, I think, trying and waiting uh, for all this time to make a record together. And that's what's so special about Vagabond Heart. Mm -hmm. 
John and I uh, had had planned on making a record together and tried to make it, and he played on so many of my records, and uh, we had done film scores together and all sorts of things, and so we finally had a chance to do, uh, from ground up, the two of us co-producing a record and okay. that Vagabond Heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and uh, what I wanted to do was, since it was so uh, uh, special to get to work with a guitar player of, of his uh, uh, abilities again, mm-hmm. as I did with Fred over the years, mm-hmm. uh, I, I kind of wanted to go back and uh, explore my roots okay. uh, as, as when I started out. Because I, I started out in Nashville uh, singing, you know, picking, going through a box of publishers' songs and picking a song that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And there were a couple of songs that were recorded back in, when I was on Monument. Uh, I, I cut one of Fred's songs called uh, Morgan City. And one of the last things Fred had said to me before he died was, you should do that song again. Mm. And so as a tribute to him, I just I knew I was going to cut that song again mm-hmm. because I knew John could play the, play the song the way it needed to be performed. Mm-hmm. And the original version was played by the old master, Grady Mark, uh, in Nashville, who played uh, El Paso and all those great mm-hmm. songs. Uh, anyway, uh, 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 and while we were playing that song... Uh, from my old record, I was teaching John the record, uh, Glenn Campbell uh, announced his that he was uh, aborting his swan song tour because of the symptoms of Alzheimer's. Right, right. And the A-side of that old monument record was his old song, Less of Me, hmm. uh, that he had let me cut back in 1967. And... Uh, he and Fred were often in those days playing guitar for Simon and Garfunkel, and they kind of hatched it up between them, and I cut the song. Mm. And John and I just started playing around with it, and the next thing we knew, we, said, we just it kind of broke our heart, this news about Glenn anyway. Yeah, and we were yeah, both sure. involved, and so we cut that song, and it's on the record. Mm, that's cool. <laughs> We got a real good cut on it, yeah. and there were there were two songs of mine that I had on, uh, on my second RCA album that had that record just almost went straight to the out of print bin, hmm. and uh, it was it was released when uh, in those days would have frequent kind of what they call blood baths, and the whole wing would be fired, you know. And, mm-hmm. I think they fired 300 months that that record came out on the West Coast office. and uh, So the record was pretty much stillborn. Hmm. And and I, it was called And I Wanted to Sing to the People. And there were two songs on that record that I just had never been able to stand being locked away in some out of prison. Right, right. And so I, I cut them again. Okay. I cut the sculpture and I cut the call. Which is, uh, I think, one of the, it's one of my favorite. Both of those are two of my favorite songs mm. of mine. And so I just kind of revisited, uh, in a sense, almost did a, a self, almost a retrospective. Right, of my, sounds like it. Of, of the years, only I reinterpreted them from 
in the position of being a seventy-year-old mm-hmm. man, <laughs> yeah. and uh, and gave them a different uh, perspective and a different voice, and all sorts of different things yeah. came in, in that way. And so the record, uh, uh, I'm I'm very uh, proud of the record, and uh, you know. You put them out, and you can't do a thing in the world except wish them well. When you right, do that. right. <laughs> and, and and do things like what we're doing now to sure. try to help them the way sure. the kindergarten. Yeah. Know, but, so, uh, what is the um, having not uh, ha- had a current project in, in so long, and now and now this is is out and, and um, you know, new music and, and uh, new interpretations. What does it look like uh, for you or does it, does it shift anything for you and what you, what you do currently um, in your theatrical work and your artwork? Um, how do you, how do you go about uh, promoting this new record and working that into your, into the other things that you do? Oh, well, that, that's a, that's another interview. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, I have two, uh, I, I, since the Kickstarter, I've had a, a team of people out in Portland, mm-hmm. uh, young people, the oldest one is 36 years old, uh, working with me. And I've known her for 14 years and been working with her for a long time. Hmm. And uh, she has a, a social media person that's 25 years old, mm-hmm. so they're, they're all very hip to modern mm-hmm. uh approaches to things. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, Chelsea's the one that uh, made me aware of your uh, organization. Right, sure, okay. And uh, so I follow their lead, but uh, are you are you familiar with Peter Goralnik, the, uh, the rock journalist, or the music journalist that wrote the Elvis Presley bios and the Sam Cooke bios? He's got a new bio out about... Okay. Uh, Sam Phillips. Okay. Uh, yeah. Only I know the projects uh, that you're talking of, and I, I know him by name only. But I know who you're speaking yeah. of. Yes. Well, I'm I'm just about done with his bio right now. And to answer your question, uh, I started out back in the time when those great. This book has made me quite aware of that. That I started out when people made 45 records and if you sold 50,000 of them it was a big hit mm-hmm. and uh, in those days you'd go to Nashville you'd make a record and uh, nine times out of if it was with an independent and that was really the only way through to the majors mm-hmm. it, had been, it had been charted by Elvis and uh, everybody else afterwards mm-hmm. Neil Diamond in New York and you know so forth and so forth and uh They'd give you a box of maybe four records with 25 in each box, 45s. Mm-hmm. And you'd go out looking, and hope they didn't warp, <laughs> looking, <laughs> looking for, you know, a little 1,000-watt radio station right. or maybe 5,000-watt five, 5, or something like that. And you, if you could get on the radio before you left the studio, you were lucky, but nine times out of ten, you could hear your record on the car radio soon after you left the station. Mm, mm. And I don't see today's world much different than that. Right. We went through this wonderful period back in when I started out when you could do concept albums like A Ballad of the West mm-hmm. and long drawn out wonderful vinyl packages and so forth. 
then it went down and down and down to CD, 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 streaming, whatever. Uh, but it's it's back to kind of where it was. Mm-hmm. You're kind of out there in cyberspace looking for a little 500 watt station, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, yeah. And uh, and so I kind of feel full circle with it, and mm-hmm. I really kind of feel quite at home with cyberspace. Sure. With yeah. It. And, uh, uh, you know, you and I are making buddies, and you're going to know a lot about me now, and I'm going to know more about you as we get going. And right, yeah. We, we're setting up our own little network, yeah. you know? Yeah, No, I mean, that's I, I hadn't really thought of it that, that, that way. It's a very interesting perspective, because I um, wasn't, I, I'm in my early 50s, so I wasn't immersed in that industry in that way but certainly uh have been around or was around early enough to understand that and kind of be on the tail end of that so it, you're right it does it, it does feel like it's kind of come full circle and kind of the 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 big corporate ball players are kind of out of the picture again and it's it's a whole new um it's it's kind of like the playing field's been leveled a little bit well there's a big there's a big problem with middlemen in cyberspace mm-hmm. yes yeah. That has to be resolved, mm-hmm. and, and and that's that's in the process of happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll find a way to do that. That's that's what that's what old Sam Phillips and and the Chess Boys up in Chicago and 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 Atco and and uh, 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 gosh, I'm going to lose their names now. But those great Wildcat independent record labels—that's what they were all about. Right. Sure. Was, was was creating their own little distribution chains and, and all that, and that's the reason those 45s worked. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason, you know, that uh, they built their own little uh, things. They got gobbled up by the corporate thing, mm-hmm. which is kind of what happens to everything here in this country. Right but, now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... What we got to do is create a new thing where the middlemen aren't gobbling us all up, right. and we're all—it is a little more fair. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> well, you're right. We we could go on and on for uh, about that, and and uh, probably come back to the same place and not figure <laughs> anything out. But yeah. uh, but it would be fun to do that, and we'll have to we'll have to get together again one day and and uh, kind of pick that apart. But I I appreciate well, that's, your. That's- that's kind of the reason I made Vagabond Heart the way that I made it, because mm-hmm. it has so many different styles in it. It has so many different... And that's the way people used to do. They'd go in and make a lot of different, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, Marty Marty Robbins would cut a, a Western record one time out, and the next thing he'd cut a blues record, and the next thing he'd cut a pop record, and Bobby Darren would cut a mm-hmm. Sinatra-style thing, and then he'd do a, a folk thing, and then he'd do a, a pop thing, you mm-hmm. know? It, <laughs> It, it was it was all just it was based on having fun mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and expressing yourself. <laughs> yeah, so, sure. I hope that's that's I hope that's in Vagabond Art. We'll yeah, see. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your time, Bobby. This has all been very interesting, and and I, I wish you well with it too. And uh, look forward to uh, getting a chance to kind of noodle over some more things in the future. Thank you, thank you for your help with everything, Greg. It's a wonderful. Wonderful thing you've got going there, and I'll I'll tell more people about it. Too. I appreciate it. Thank you. You got man. 
Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.